Father God, you are here. You are here. I just got handed a note, and I got to share it with you, or I made a note. We talk about baptisms. Yesterday had a baptism at Bartow County Jail. 106 inmates were baptized into the family of God. And one deputy. Amen. I think that's all right. Chance asked me. He said, I need to know how to be saved. You know, and I gave him a simple thing. All that fell short of the glory of God, all have sinned. You just confess your sins to the Father and ask him to be the Lord of your life. And try the best to follow him the rest of your life. Jesus is the one that saves. He said, you know, I thought it would have been harder than that. I thought it would have been more complicated than that. I told, told Chance, I said, we've made it that way. There's no four happy hops to heaven. You call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. You shall be saved. And in saying that, if that happens to you today, we got water in the baptistry. We can be baptized today also. Or you can. I'll, I'll be baptized the way you do if you want to. We'll, if you don't take out your outlines, last week we started talking about peacemakers. How child of, of God equals peacemaker. We're going to go a little further today. I hope you was able to listen or watch the, the sermon from last week. If you can't, go back and do that. But we're in part 12 of a, of a faith that, that works when life don't. Today we're going to talk about a faith that de-escalates conflict. We're in the book of James, and today we're going to kind of camp out of James 3.18. At the top of your outline it says, Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, and they will reap a harvest of goodness. That's what we talked about, six seeds of peace that we are to plant. When we plant those six seeds of peace, we're going to have good and strong and, and happy relationships. Today, we're going to continue on how to be peacemakers in a world full of conflict. I believe there's three of the most important life skills that we must learn in this life. Number one, we must learn how to, how to de-escalate a conflict. We must learn how to resolve a conflict. We must learn how to reconcile after a conflict. I want to tell you something, guys. If you don't learn these three skills, you're going to live a miserable life. A miserable life. You know why? Because we're all different. God made us all different. In making us all different, we are bound to have conflict. Almost daily. 
Did you know that I've been your pastor almost 22 years now? And do you know that me and my wife have never argued on Sunday morning? Do you know why? We've never ridden to church together <laughs> on Sunday morning. That's the truth. We're going to have conflict. Well, here's the problem. From what I understand, nobody's ever taught most of us these skills. You never learn how to de-escalate a conflict. You never learn how to resolve a conflict. You never learn how to, how to reconcile after a conflict in a relationship. You probably especially didn't learn it from your parents. They may have been a terrible role model of conflict resolution. But it's because nobody taught them. There's no classes in school. Yet it is one of the most important skills that you and I can possess to be happy in life. We got these protests going on all over our nation that have, have escalated, property destroyed, people left dead. And that's a tragedy. They didn't use these skills. And so the message that I teach you today is important. It's important. So I want you to take notes. I want you to teach them to your children and their children. James 3.18 again says, Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, and they will reap a harvest of goodness. Jesus tells us on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God. It didn't say blessed are the troublemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. The proof that you're really a child of God, the proof that you're really born again, the proof that you're really in the family of God is that you are a peacemaker, not a troublemaker, that you're not in a conflict all the time. I read some of the posts on Facebook. Some of you guys are in a continuous conflict with something. But before we look at how, how to diffuse a conflict from God's Word, I want to tell you a couple of things that peacemaking is not. Number one, peacemaking is not, is not avoiding. It's not avoiding. Peacemaking also is not appeasing. What's, a, what's avoiding? Well, you, an example might be you just keep peace in your marriage by uh, uh, avoiding everything. You don't rock the boat. That's avoiding. You just, you just sweep everything under the rug. That's not peacemaking. That's cowardice. And it doesn't help things at all. Me and Angie don't avoid that. I believe under our rugs the cleanest place there is. <laughs> we sweep nothing under the rug. It doesn't grow your relationship in Christ. And it doesn't build your friendships or, or anything else. 
It's not running away that helps in avoiding the problem. It's also not appeasing. What's that mean? Well, I always just give in. I always just give in. And, and, and let somebody have their way. I just appease them. Peace at any price is what that is. Appeasement is not peacemaking. It's actually codependency. It's what that is. Giving in all the time. Jesus Christ never ran from a legitimate conflict. He knew how to deal with it. So I want to teach you 10 biblical steps from diffusing a tense situation. You just thought a six-point sermon was bad. <laughs> a 10-step, ten 10-point ten sermon. That's crazy, ain't it? We're getting out way too early. And I only had to teach one time. Number one. Write these down. You want to teach them to your children? You want to teach them to your grandchildren? Number one, lower my voice. The first step for diffusing a tense situation is to lower my voice. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle response will calm a person's anger, but harsh words stir up intense fury. You ever notice that in, in, a, in a, we'll call it a disagreement, that the louder you get, the louder the other person gets. Y'all ever notice that? Pretty soon both of you are yelling. I want to give you a couple of reasons of why the first thing you need to do is to lower your voice. They're sort of scientific. No, they are scientific. Your brain doesn't operate at the same level all the time. When it operates at a lower level, the lower part of it, you just ain't thinking too much. You're not think, thinking at all. See, it's the higher level where you have something called the cortex. The, the cortex is, is, has the capacity for speech. It has the capacity for strategizing. The cortex has the capacity for planning. The cortex has the capacity for reasoning. You see, when you're using your cortex, you're smart. But when you get fearful and when you get angry, you drop out of your cortex and you move down into the limbic part of your brain, which is just instinct. That's all the limbic is. The point, when you get to the limbic point, you're not thinking straight. And if you don't think smart, you think what? Dumb. They ain't no other Hebrew, Greek, whatever. It's just dumb. And when you're in the limbic part of your brain, you're calling people names. You get mad. You yell. You say things that, that you'll later regret because you remember you're in the lower level, in the limbic. Anybody in here ever been in the limbic? We're dumb when we're in the limbic level. Amen? Down in that limbic level, your brain does dumb things. 
We need to get up in the what? Cortex. Write this down. The more I raise my voice, the more I lower my intelligence. The more I raise my voice, the more I lower my intelligence. Also, you need to talk softer because you have something else in your brain. You ever heard of mirror neurons? You ever heard of mirror neurons? This is the ability to feel what you see. To feel what you see. It, it's kind of like the movies. Yeah, they're playing on our mirror neurons. You see somebody kiss? I'm talking about like notebook. <laughs> and you almost feel that kiss. You know what I'm talking about? You see somebody get angry, you get angry. That's mirror neurons. The ability to feel what you see. And it ain't even a real story. It's why so many, and I'm going to pick on some of you guys that play these video games. That ain't nothing but killing. <laughs> and... and and you go in there and, 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 and cussing starts and, and mad starts because your, your mirror neurons are on crazy load. And you're part of this, this 4D thing. And they're, they're selling it to you. And you begin acting like what you see. It's the same thing with arguments. You yell, they yell. You call names, they call names. Write this beside mirror neurons. I'll get back whatever I give out. I'll get back whatever I give out. If I give out anger, if I give out yelling, if I give out sarcasm, I get it all back. You see, mirror means to reflect. We sow, we reap in an argument. Ecclesiastes 9, 17. The quiet words of a wise person are more effective than the shouting of a leader of fools. Woo! We just on the starting point. The starting point is the lowering of your voice to de-escalate conflict. We ain't got but nine more. <laughs> Number two, breathe and slow down the pace of speaking. Breathe and slow down the pace of speaking. Just take a deep breath. You ever notice the anger you get the faster you talk? I don't know about y'all, but I was raised in Rockmart. I listened slow. So it's not just the loudness, it's how fast you get. You just start rattling it off like a machine gun. You dirty dog. And pretty soon you done spewed up over everybody. Does that happen? To, am I the only one that's ever happened to? No, it ain't. You rattle off like a machine gun and the, and the other person becomes offensive. 
Proverbs 29, 11. It says a fool gives vent to his a fool gives full vent to his anger. There's that machine gun. But by biding his time, circle that, biding his time, the wise man calms it down. Abiding your time. You know what that means? Thomas Jefferson, I believe, was the first one who said it. He said, just count to ten. If you're angry, just count to ten. If you're real mad, count to a hundred. Biding your time. See, Thomas Jefferson didn't invent that. The Bible did. Bide your time. Proverbs 15, 18 says, People with hot tempers start fights and cause trouble. But I love this. But a calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. That even sounds good when you say it. A calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. I love this out of the message, paraphrase. Ecclesiastes 10.4 If a ruler or anyone else loses his temper against you, don't panic. A calm disposition quiets intemperate rage. Don't panic. Slow down. Lower your voice. This is what wise people do. That's two down. Number three. We've talked about this one a lot. Listen more than I talk. Listen more than I talk. We keep coming back to this verse, James 1, 19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If you do the first two, the third is automatic. But on the other hand, many times we do the exact opposite. We're quick to speak. We're slow to listen and quick to get angry. Amen? Slow down and listen. Proverbs 13, 10. Ooh, listen to this. Arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord. But wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. Arrogant know-it-alls. Y'all know any of them? Pride. Arrogance. I'm going to tell you something, guys. You know what the source of conflict mostly is? Pride. It's pride. Wise people listen to each other's counsel. Why is it so hard to listen to advice from someone you love the most? I don't know. I don't know. But the Bible tells us that we need to put our pride aside. And putting our pride aside, we can listen for something more specific, which leads us to number four. Listen for the hurt behind the words. Listen for the hurt behind the words. This is important. If you get this, then you're, you're making some fantastic progress in diffusing your situation. Listening to the hurt behind the words, you're making progress into de-escalating the, the problem in your relationships. So, so stop listening to the words and start listening to the emotions behind the words. What they are saying 
is not nearly important as the emotion that they're communicating. Make sense? Is it fear? Is it they're depressed? Is it they're jealous? Or are they anxious? They may not say it. Guys, so many times, and I'm drawing this from my own arguments and my own conflict. So many times we argue over words when that's not the real issue. Y'all ever do that? The real issue is the emotions behind the words. So we got to sometimes ignore the words and focus on the mood. And when you know that, or when you do that, you'll be less defensive. When you can focus on their emotions, it may not be anger. They just might be frustrated. Or they just might be tired. Cut them some slack. Their hurts may be deep. And they may be the way they are because of some deep pain. And they may be afraid. Proverbs 14, 10. Look at it. Each heart knows its own bitterness. You see, everyone in here, me, you, we have a hidden hurt. We have a hidden hurt. We have a hidden pain. Mm. We have some kind of wound. So you've got to listen to the pain behind the statement. Amen? Here's what you do while you're doing that, number five. You need to pray while I'm listening. Pray while I'm listening. Multitask. Not text. Pray while you're listening. Judges 6, 24. I love this. Gideon built an altar for worshiping the Lord, and he called it, The Lord Calms Our Fears. Oh, that's a great name for an altar, ain't it? The Lord calms our fears. When you're in conflict with a parent, when you're in conflict with a, with a child, a spouse, a protest, an officer, a, a boss, a clerk, you need to stop and pray, the Lord calm me. Lord, calm me. Calm my fears. Then you know what happens? You go up into the what? Cortex. Lord, calm my fears. And you start using your, your, your cortex for something besides putting a hat on. Amen? Psalm 60. I think it's supposed to be 66, 7, but 
God stills the raging oceans. He quiets the noise of roaring waves and calms the uproar of the people. Calms the uproar of the people. Quiets all the clamor. Don't you need that sometimes? Bunch of noise going on inside your head and You've been playing them games that kill one another with all kind of guns. Watching something on TV. I love what the message paraphrase says here. It says, calms the, the mobs and noisy riots. The Lord does. We need that today to calm me down. Guys, if Jesus Christ can calm the stormy seas, Sees he can calm the emotions in our hearts. Amen? He can do that. Number six, seek to understand before seeking to be understood. You ever do this? Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Try to figure out what they are thinking. Try to figure out what they are saying before you try to convince them of what you want to say. Amen? That's hard. I know it's hard. So don't worry about them understanding you until you fully understand them. Does that make any more sense? Because that's the loving Christ-like thing to do. Proverbs 18, 13 says, A person who answers without listening is foolish and disgraceful. Sometimes we're so busy trying to get other people to see what we want them to see our way, we don't stop listening to them what they're saying. Guys, make sure you understand them first. As a little practical point, say it back to them. Say, you know, okay, let me see if I understand what you're saying. Is, is, is this what you're trying to say? You need to make sure that you understand them. Then you can plow into them. Amen? I'm just kidding. But make sure you understand them. Guess what else? If they don't repeat it back to you, go ahead and correct them. Because you need to make sure they're right. Feel free to correct her. Let them correct her. Number seven, try to see their perspective. Try to see their perspective. I use my favorite verse of all in this one, one of my favorite verses. I got a bunch of favorite verses. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we can't see the fears. Sometimes we can't see the injustice. Sometimes we can't see the pain of other people because all we can see is ourselves. We're just looking at our interest. And I want to tell you, this is natural. We are by nature a self-centered people. Me, you, we are naturally self-centered. 
we are naturally more interested in ourselves than anybody else. Only Jesus Christ of Nazarene, Son of God, can change my want to. Only Jesus can change my perspective. Only Jesus can change my interest in you and not me. Only he can do that. Number eight, ask God to give me a clear picture of myself. But that's one of the scariest things to do, to ask God to give me a clear, clear picture of me. I think we ought to memorize this verse, Psalm uh, 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and examine my heart. Test me and know my nervous thoughts. Point out anything in me that is wrong. Then lead me on the path that is always right. Circle in me. In me. If you pray that prayer, he'll show you if you're serious. Many times he showed me that, Jim, you are the problem. Sometimes he tells me, Jim, you're part of the problem. Search your heart in me. Number nine, admit any part of the conflict that I caused. You want to defuse a conflict real quick? Admit any part of the conflict that you caused. I love the fact that, that Jesus loved to use exaggeration to make a point. And on his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, he said, Jesus said, why do you notice the little piece of dust in your friend's eye, but you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye? You see, before you start working on that splinter in your spouse, you need to get that big honking two-by-four out of your own eye. Amen? Amen? Before you start complaining about that little problem your neighbor's doing, you need to get that log out of your eye. Before you start complaining about that dust in your boss's eye, you need to get the big honking log out of yours. Amen? Shoot. Because if you don't, you can't see wisely. You can't see wisely. Before you start complaining about your pastor. <laughs> Number 10, choose my words carefully. If you're going to de-escalate, you need to know something. Words have power. They can set things on fire. Words have the power to destroy. We're going to come back to this because it's part of James. But Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Pray, God, give me the tongue of the wise. Pray that, and to God and ask him, tell him, you want your tongue to be a healing source and not reckless words. You don't want your word to tear people up. 
You don't want your words to destroy. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words. The kind that build up and provide what is needed. What is needed. I want you to review this outlook, this out, this outline this week. I want you to talk about it with your friends, maybe with your small group, maybe form a small group. Talk about it with your spouse. There's a lot of info right here on how to be a peacemaker in ten steps. Jesus said, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you what? Do them. If you do them. He said, not for hearing the message, but if you do this message. If you do this message. Use this in areas of conflict in your life. Practice it on your spouse today. You'll see immediate results. You'll see immediate results. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? The children of God. So I got to ask you as I'm closing, are you a child of God? If you're a child of God, then are you a peacemaker? It says they go together. It says they go together. As the band is coming, I want to ask you, as, 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 as we get ready to baptize, don't leave. Remember, I said, don't you leave. I'm going to call you. I'm going to pray with one eye open. <laughs> Would you like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ? Would you like to be saved? It ain't complicated. Would you like to open up your heart to Jesus Christ today? Would you like to be baptized today? Jesus Christ gives you a plan and purpose for your life. He gives you a reason for living. He gives you a place in heaven. He gives you identity. My Lord and my God. I thank you, Jesus. We need you bad. We need your help in resolving the conflicts and the reconciliation that's going to happen. So I pray for your church. <coughs> Millions of people, followers of Jesus Christ, to be you with skin on. That we wouldn't avoid it and we wouldn't appease it. But we would begin with our relationships at home. Our friends and at work. And then throughout the world. For I believe that love can win. Love can win. Lord, I love you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen.